0: rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. All right, all right, welcome to the Rise Up Live Free Podcast. You are on the microphone today with me, Ryan Lee, and my friends, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Today, I have a treat for you. Um, We are getting ready inside of Cashflow Tactics to do our annual major definite aim workshop to give people really the mindset that they need to ultimately win. You see, for me, one of the very last things that I started to pick up and develop on my path to becoming financially free was building a strong mindset. In fact, anytime anyone told me that I needed to have a better mindset, I would disparage and discourage that, in light of trying to pick up more tactics. And for me, I found that the 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 more the deeper I went with tactics, the the more my game plan actually slowed down because I didn't have a mindset to correspond with what I was learning. In fact, my conscious desires did not align with my subconscious beliefs about what was possible for my life as it related to money. And it wasn't until I went in and fixed my subconscious mindset and really started working on my mindset that my subconscious and my conscious mind actually united. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we cover all of this in the Major Definite Aim Workshop. But today, my friends, I have a privilege and an honor to interview probably one of the most distinguished and and um, really innovative people I have ever met in, as it relates to the mind, as it relates to neuropsychology and mind mapping and neuroimaging. Um, I'm interviewing today, Dr. Alina Fong, and man, I, I heard this uh, this woman speak a couple of months ago um, as it related to brain development in teenagers, and I was so mesmerized by her understanding of the different various components of the mind and how the mind Works and how we can proactively use our mind as well as recover from mind trauma. So, number one, if you are struggling or suffering in any way uh, with with you know brain fog, uh, uh, concussions, anything like that that has caused detriment in your life, then you're gonna want to check out Alina's contact information below and check out Cognitive FX. So all of her information is below. But my friends, in this interview, I have an opportunity to interview uh, Dr. Fong on her understanding of the mind and how we can use the mind not just to recover, but how we can use the mind proactively to build wealth, change our mindset, change our beliefs, and use our mind internally to generate external results. My friends, join me on this journey, join me on this interview, and I hope you have as much fun uh, with it as I do. And if you're not part of our community and you want to be part of the major definite aim training, then make sure you click on our links, whatever uh, is down below and get involved, get in the game. The number one thing you can do leading into 2023 is build the right mindset for abundance and success. My friends, uh, welcome to the interview. Here we go. Here we go. All right, my friends, as I mentioned in the introduction, it is my tremendous pleasure, my tremendous o- honor to have I'm going to say it because I think it's true. A world-renowned expert in the in the realm of the mind and neuropsychology, Dr. Alina Fong. You want to say what's up to everyone?
1: Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you.
0: You know what? Um, I am both excited and a little bit nervous for this interview today because uh, as I was looking into um, your background, uh, it's amazing what you have done, what you've accomplished, and the thousands of people that you've helped using what I would say is... Just now being discovered methodologies to treat the brain and treat injury. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background as we come into this podcast?
1: Sure. So I have a PhD uh, in neuropsychology, and my emphasis is in neuroimaging. Uh, I have had the um the expertise and the you know ability to hone my skills working uh, right in two thousand and seven and two thousand eight with um the VA hospitals right during the Iraq and Afghanistan war where we really focused a lot on concussions. And so that really helped me uh, determine where my niche would be. And So I've been treating concussions what we call mild traumatic brain injury for almost 18 years now. Uh, And I utilize a tool that one of my partners and I developed called functional uh, neurocognitive imaging. So FNCI, which is a version of functional MRI. Uh, uh, which is kind of an offshoot, uh, another type of of a scanning sequence in an MRI machine.
0: I, I love that. and and, you know, it, it's interesting that I'm bringing you on the podcast. You know, we're leading up to our major definite aim workshop that we're having inside of our community. And I think so much of our life uh, has to do with things that we don't. There's the world that's this the, the seen world, and then there's the unseen world, everything that's happening in our head you've found the ability to really tap into the brain and be able to image and understand what a healthy brain looks like when it's functioning properly and how to compare that to a brain that's injured and how to bridge the gap and get a a non-functioning brain back to a better, more holistic functioning brain. So tell us a little bit about what's the difference between an injured brain um, and a non-injured healthy functioning brain?
1: Well, first off, what I want to point out is that you know, a lot of my patients will say, well, i got a regular MRI and it shows normal. So there's a really big difference between a normal MRI and a functional MRI. So a regular structural MRI is something that you'd get, you know, you can get one of your knee, of your neck or your back, and they're looking at structure, okay? And for most of my patients, their brains structurally look completely normal. Where fMRI shines though, is that we're actually having this brain do cognitive tasks while they're in the MRI machine. So I don't want just a static photo of a brain. I want to see a brain having to do focus uh, tasks, memory, uh, concentration, multitasking, problem solving. And then I can see how the brain is metabolizing energy like blood and glucose while they're doing those tasks. So one of the big things to differentiate between a normal brain and an injured brain is Number one, how do we even see what normal and and injured is, right? Mm-hmm. We have to be able to utilize advanced neuroimaging techniques because one of the things that's so frustrating is patients coming to me saying, every test that I do is normal. Every, you know, all my doctors say I'm normal. They think it's all just in my head. And I'm like, well, it is in your head, mm. but no, not in the way they think. So one of the biggest differences, so getting back to your question, between a brain that's normal and a brain that is potentially injured is in how you feel. So if you're feeling slowed down, if you're having headaches, if you're feeling brain fog, if you're feeling fatigue, um, if memory, attention, focus is is difficult for you, um, chances are, okay, you will have what we call a positive finding in, in our fMRI read. Now, someone might say, well, that's everybody every day, right? Um, But usually in these cases, Ryan, there was an event that occurred, whether it was a concussion that occurred, or we're seeing a lot of COVID long haulers, Mm. okay, or brain toxicity, a mold event, um, chemotherapy, neurotoxicity. So there's usually kind of an onset of an event that occurred that then kind of changed uh, their perceived uh, functioning.
0: Well, first off, before we get into that, I want to throw it out there really quick. Um, one of the co-founders of Casual Tactics, you don't know this, uh, he is a veteran, um, w- served in the Iraqi war, s- three deployments. Uh, so number one, thank you for your dedication. I, I know just from reading your bio that you started with the VA because of your father and his service and your desire to help um, veterans. So thank you for doing that. And if anyone is interested, I also recently found out before uh, Dr. Fong came on this, uh, this podcast with us that she's helped a close friend of mine radically alter his life. And so um, All of Dr. Fong's contact information, her clinic that she leads, and the, the industry-leading research that she does to help people live normal lives, because we have so many veterans in this community, it's all in the podcast notes. Go there, check out uh, Cognitive FX, because, man, I'm telling you, this what you do helps so many people. And, and so, first off, thank you for what you do. Um, I'm interested. I'm interested with this idea of being able to see a brain in action. Um, I believe that so much of our life is determined, like you mentioned, by our, you know, the thoughts that we think leading to the feelings that we feel, and that can be applied in in uh, an injury scenario. But let's talk a little bit about how how can we potentially understand a healthy brain uh, leading to positive feelings just in life? Can your research and your expertise be applied outside of healing and into just life in general?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that a positive mindset, having, you know, the right thoughts absolutely affects behavior. In fact, that is really the premise of a whole psychological field of study and therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy. But there is this, um, this connection between cognition and what we believe and what that causes us to do and feel. Um, and and it it's all starts in the brain. This brain is this black box, right? That was previously really kind of misunderstood. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, this I, this is what controls everything. It has to start in the brain.
0: How much of our brain are we actually, we've all heard this things, you're using like what, 5%, 6%, 7% of your brain. Like how much of our brain do we actually use? How much of it do we understand? And as humans, are we just scratching the surface of what our brain's actually capable of?
1: So yeah, that's kind of a... a more of a, a, a an older way of thinking, when we're like, oh, we only use 10% of our brains. What we're finding, again, because of neuroimaging, right? Because before mm. when we made those claims, we didn't really have this functional type of advanced imaging that we have. But what we are finding is, you know, we utilize about 100% of our brains in different ways, you know, so mm. it's not like only one part is being used and the rest are shut down or anything like that. We're finding that neural networks and neural connectivity Uh, is much more active than than we originally thought. Now, that doesn't mean that we've unlocked the brain and we know exactly what it does by any means. But what we're seeing is that the old way of thinking kind of made it seem like 90% of it was obsolete or we didn't know what we were doing with that. And that's actually not true. We, We are utilizing it, but I think we're finding that there are ways that we can more effectively and more efficiently activate our brain as well.
0: I love that. And I want to go back to what you do when you help someone recover, because I think this will kind of branch into maybe how we use our brain proactively. Um, but when a brain is injured, when you suffer a concussion, what happens in the brain? And how do you restore a brain back to this idea of health, healthy, being a healthy brain?
1: So, when a brain is injured, let's say a concussion, okay, there is swelling or what we call neural inflammation that can occur in various parts of the brain, kind of depending on where we hit it, um, which is, we call the coup versus contra coup injury. So let's say you got hit, you know, right on your forehead, that would be your the, the coup injury. But then as your brain kind of sloshes around inside your skull, um, that bouncing back can also affect what we call a contra coup injury. And so what we're seeing with concussion is maybe some swelling that can occur, maybe even some microvascular damage, tears, shearing of axons that can occur, but look completely normal on regular CT and MRI. Mm. Yeah. The brain
0: looks normal with normal imaging, but you can actually see it functioning and that's how you see the problem.
1: That's 100% correct. And in fact, according to the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, one of the diagnostic criteria of a concussion is normal structural MRI and CT. So... You know, another one of these kind of fallacies uh, that we that uh, we have to fight against is this feeling or, or this this false conception that well, my MRI is normal, so that means I don't have a concussion. Yes, and I have to say no. Your MRI is normal. That's why you have a concussion. You don't have a, <laughs> you don't have a, you know a moderate or severe traumatic brain injury. And it's not just layperson. There are definitely even doctors out there that don't understand uh, a lot of the, the newer research and will just look at a a CT and MRI and say, Oh, it looks normal. So I guess you're fine. You don't really have a concussion.
0: Uh, Alina, I mean, I love what you're saying. It's so interesting how this applies. You know, in our community, we talk all about um, traditional thinking leading to traditional results and unconventional thinking leading to extraordinary results. If you're willing to bridge the gap, why in the world of medicine with all of these advancements, I'm sure it's hard to catch up with is at the pace of things that are advancing. Why Are these big centers, like the CDC, why are they struggling or so slow to catch up to modern technology and to really what you've been on the front line of developing?
1: Oh, that is a great question, you know, um, and I I have to give credit to the CDC for doing their research, you know. um, But yes, there are definitely big universities, uh, big institutions that you think, well, they, they should have the best, you know, their recognizable name. But part of this, and Ryan, maybe you can can find these, these bridges with what you're doing, but when you are part of a big university or a big hospital system, there's just a lot more bureaucracy and a lot more red tape and a lot more people that have to sign off you know, in order for, uh, for, for a, te- a technique or, or a mindset to change. Whereas if you are one individual, or if you're a small clinic and you have control over this, you can start experimenting and you can start you know, looking at different therapeutic techniques um much more easily. And so a lot of innovation is actually coming from smaller institutions, smaller clinics. Um, and that's kind of uh, how how science is, is moving in a way. Um, and, and it's it is liberating, right, for some of us that, that are in these smaller clinics and can kind of make these changes uh, empirically and systematically and see see what improves. Um, but I can see how it's also frustrating for the patient that has to go to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor and say, you know, I have nowhere else to go. You are my last resort.
0: Yeah, my goodness. I I love what you're saying. I mean, that's in our world, we fight against that bureaucracy and that group think of you go to school, you get a job, you put your money in a 401k and you cross your fingers. And so much of what we do is helping people unlearn what they know to get results that they, that they want, but they have to learn a different mindset. And so I wanna use that to bridge into the concept of neuroplasticity. I think it's a big word, right? I've done some research on what I think it means, but I'd love to hear from a world-renowned expert. What is neuroplasticity?
1: So neuroplasticity is a very fancy word to describe that our brain can change and adapt to stimuli and to the environment. Now that change can go both ways. So we can have brains that can change for the better, um, but we can have uh, brains that can change, you know, for the worse as well. But it really just is our brain's ability to to change uh, in response to an experience or environment or situation.
0: Is the concept of neuroplasticity, is that relatively new among brain research? I mean, up until relatively recently, wasn't it thought that most of your development was locked in and your brain is what it is and you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Is that a relatively new concept in in brains? I don't even know what we call it, brain science?
1: Yeah, neuroscience. That's exactly right. There we go yeah i think in the grand scheme of things it is still a relatively new concept now however neuroplasticity has been studied for decades but i think it's really only been in the advent of other forms of advanced neuroimaging like fmri like dti which is called defend, uh, which is diffusion diffusion tensor imaging swi susceptibility weighted imaging spect pet scan and so on that we're starting to kind of put our money where our mouth is you know we're like okay wait neuroplasticity is real because we're actually seeing changes occur that we couldn't really see before. Before, it was just kind of a hypothesis, and we think this is what's going on, Um, but now we can actually see it. Now, with that being said, Ryan, I mean, when I graduated from my program, uh, you know, I'm not even going to say how long ago, um, but even then, we were of the mindset that if you had a stroke patient, you only had one year Mm. uh, to help them recover, and then after that, their brain is basically kind of stuck there. And then you're just left trying to figure out how to accommodate or compensate. That is completely changed. You know, um, I'm treating patients that have had traumatic brain injuries decades ago. Wow. And we can still see the brain firing. We can see the brain um, becoming more efficient. We can see the brain form different connections um, even decades later. So yes, uh, with the advent of of, of new neuroimaging we are really seeing um, and kind of disproving a lot of things that we thought were were gospel truths before in a sense.
0: And I love this. I wanna go a little bit deeper because I think this gets to the crux of what we're trying to accomplish in our major definite aim workshop. Um, I, I was reading through some of your research and you talked, you kind of correlated to a layman like myself, neuroplasticity to Google or to hi- information highways in your brain and your brain kind of reroutes to- give us that analogy help us understand a little bit more what it is and if a neural pathway gets broken how the brain reroutes and potentially how we might be able to use neuroplasticity plasticity in a positive way to change the outcome of our life
1: sure and this kind of goes back to original question which is you know how does an injured brain differ from a normal mm-hmm. brain? okay so what i was saying before is if you have a patient that's had a concussion there's some swelling and bruising and some neural inflammation that occurs okay so in that time when there's some swelling, your brain has to find alternate routes to get information to where it needs to be. So for example, let's say that before a concussion, your brain was using the superhighway to get information from point A to point B. Okay. Well, then now you have a concussion and that highway is now shut down. So now your brain has to find surface streets or, you know, um, frontage roads to try to get kind of a circuitous roundabout way to get information to where it needs to be. So that is neuroplasticity on the other side, right? Now, let's say a patient has been injured a few months. So the brain isn't technically swollen anymore, you know, and luckily, you know, in this case, maybe there's no bleeding or anything like that, but the brain still utilizes that circuitous pathway, even though it's been months later. And so that's where you kind of get these patients that say, gosh, you know, My concussion was years ago, months ago, but I'm still having brain fog. I'm still not feeling good. I still feel slowed down. I still don't have any energy in the tank. What is going on? Well, your brain is still utilizing many more resources To do the same thing. Think about how much more gas it's going to take for you to take frontage roads, right? Rather than the freeway.
0: Let me ask you why. Why would the brain, if if the inflammation has gone down and the the old pathway, the more succinct pathway was still there, why would it continue to use this, this new pathway that it created when the inflammation was there?
1: Because as wonderful and as smart as our brains are, okay, there's still some things that it just does not do on its own. And that's one of them. So in my my clinic, what we do is we try to now reteach the brain, oh, hey, that freeway is open again. You need to go down that freeway. So the way we do that is with our imaging, we can see exactly which structures and which pathways are being overutilized versus what would be more efficient. And what we do is we try to shut down and kind of destimulate those maladaptive, less efficient pathways to force the brain to go back on the superhighway. But again, as smart as our brains are, it doesn't do that on its own. Now, the reason why my treatment is only two weeks, one to two weeks though, is because Mm -hmm. for the most part, the brain can switch back very, very, very quickly. I'm snapping my fingers, right? If the brain is healthy, it only takes a a few reminders for that brain to go, oh yeah, I remember. Okay, all right, now I'm gonna go this way. Um, It takes in general about one to two weeks of intensive therapy for me to kind of reset that brain to go down that, that pathway. The brain becomes comfortable in its inefficiency because it does not shift back on its own. Okay. For the most,
0: for Man, the most- I'm so dang excited about this. I don't even know what to tell you. So the brain gets comfortable in its in- inefficiency. If Okay, so let me let me kind of go into our world a little bit, right? If we're not getting the results, let's say with something like money, right? I think that has to do with probably our internal beliefs that according to my understanding are stored in our subconscious mind. And even if consciously I want to be better with my money, if there's a disconnect between my conscious and my subconscious mind, I likely will never believe nor act long-term in what I consciously want if my subconscious mind isn't believing that, Right. And so can we use neuroplasticity or this concept of creating these neural pathways in our brain, can we use them proactively to train our mind to get help us get different results consciously?
1: That is a really good question. Uh, I believe yes, you know, uh, but I think that this kind of goes back to Uh, some of these basic founding fathers of psychology that looked at how we modify behavior. And I think you're going back to kind of this cognitive behavioral therapy piece, which is, yeah, if we have been in some way rewarded or maybe not rewarded as a word, but reinforced Mm -hmm. okay, positively or negatively, we've been reinforced to believe a certain way about a certain concept. Let's say it is money, okay? It it, it takes a significant amount of re- reinforcement so new reinforcement for us to actually believe something different okay i i I can even uh, apply it to you know even childhood you know kind of thinking okay my parents thought of me this way they treated me this way i grew up thinking that i'm this way yeah it can take an extensive amount of of psychotherapy or or um new situations to occur before you can start thinking differently about yourself right i love that but it all starts in the brain you know and so Um, Why why
0: is that the last place that we look though? Like, I think everyone is looking for an external solution. They're looking for an external strategy. They're looking for external permission, whatever that is. But the most obvious answer is the one that's least often understood or even looked at, which is the internal thought patterns in our mind.
1: I think you answered your question because it is the least understood and it's the least studied, you know, and it's hard. It's so much easier. You know, I, I hear patients saying, can I just take a pill? Taking a pill would be so much easier than doing all the therapy that is required mm. to get your brain to reset, right? It It is hard work, Ryan, you know, um, and these things don't shift, you know, as quickly uh, as we'd like, and especially old thought patterns, you know?
0: I do want to point that out really quick. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or off the podcast when we were talking, but you helped a close friend of mine, Ryan Backer. Uh, on radically altering his life. He he had a major accident, several, because he's a, 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 like an adrenaline junkie, <laughs> but uh, had several accidents and it altered the course of his life. He showed up differently. He thought differently. His business almost went, he lost his, everything. His marriage, everything just went down because he changed. Mm-hmm. He changed and he was in this fog. Um, and then when he went to your clinic, you had him do crazy, difficult, hard work. And he stayed committed to that. And after a short period of time, he, ch- like, he reawakened. He refound himself and his life has been ch- transformed ever since. But I think that's really interesting why so many of us, as it relates to our brain, as it relates to exercise, as it relates to money, as it relates to marriage or anything that we want in life requires work. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes we overlook the work and we look for the easy solution. I don't know if that exists anywhere. I don't know if there's an easy button for anything in life that we want. <laughs> And I love that you bring that right back to the brain. I love that your, your therapy deals with doing hard things to get life-altering results and how few are willing to do the work necessary to get the result that they all want.
1: That yeah, that is 100% correct. And and in Ryan's case, and I hope it's okay to share it, right? I don't want to give yeah. too, too many details, but um, yeah, there was, you know, people don't come to me without some sort of an event that occurs, right? And so there was an injury there that precipitated a lot of these, a lot of these issues, you know, <clears throat> and so, you know, in a sense, uh, you know, as, as a doctor, I like to drill down, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like a private detective, I'm an investigator, I'm everything all at once. So I'm trying to figure out what happened, what occurred, what changed, and then how do I fix that? Right. Mm. Um, and you know, for, a, I, I just have to say for a lot of maybe your, your listeners, um, The fact that they're already tuning into you means that their their brain, their hearts, their minds are kind of open, right, to the possibility of this change, which is fantastic. Um, That's really the first step, because when I tell my patients before they come in to see me, they say, well, what what can I do to make sure I get the best experience? And one of the first things I say, Ryan, is you need to be open to the experience. You have to come in with positivity. Mm -hmm. It really does set the framework uh, for, for what they can accomplish while they're here.
0: Mm, I love that. I want to ask you a couple more questions. I want to be cognizant of your time. I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast and are just sharing your expertise about this tremendous tool that we all have access to our brain. Um, but you're talking a little bit about uh, this idea of changing and being open to change. What what role do habits play in our ability to change or create different outcomes in our life? And where are habits actually stored?
1: Oh, that that is a really good question. So habits in and of themselves. Are, I mean, in, in in my view, almost, almost the essence of what we are, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it, habits can form in childhood. They can form in adulthood. They they can really form, you know, at at any time. Um, but I think really the 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 crux of this is, you know, we keep habits that serve us. Mm. Okay um and 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 here's what's really interesting is that for some it can serve us positively for some people it can serve us negatively but we hold on to these things because for whatever reason it serves us in some way okay um now let's talk about like positive habits okay so good good things like exercise let's say right um most of those most of these good habits we do because we feel good right it can um, we can think clearer. We we like you know how our body looks when we exercise, right? So there are reward centers in our brain as well that can affect why we hold on to positive habits. But it's really interesting because you know what about some you know negative things? Like for example, there's smoking. There's um uh, you know um, you know alcoholism. That there's lots of different types of habits that that, that we look at. And you have to understand that there is also some type of reinforcement. I don't like to use the word reward, but some type of reinforcement that occurs. That habit might reduce some some anxiety or stress temporarily.
0: Temporarily. Right? So it might um, serve us in the short term, even though in the long term, we don't get the results. So let's apply it to money. If we've got someone <laughs> that's constantly going into debt, they get out of debt, they're back in debt. They get out of debt, they're back in debt. That's a habit and mm-hmm. short-term they get to spend money on whatever they go into debts and long-term they're in this perpetual cycle where they're never really getting ahead in life how do we how do we break a short-term benefit or a short-term reward to get a long-term outcome
1: you know <clears throat> and that that is a golden question i mean if i had if i could give a pill for that you know i have gonna <laughs> be right ryan um so what what a lot of you know psychologists and, and neuroscientists say is that it can actually take up to three weeks of doing something before your brain can make that change, right? So the brain really does hardwire whatever we repeatedly do, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of this, and, and, and uh, this whole subject was brought up um, in a meeting that, that Ryan and I were, were both in where I was lecturing about the brain. And I talked about certain developmental stages, right? So for those of us and for those listeners that have children that are in their teens, it is so imperative this is a time that their that that their brains neurodevelopmentally are pruning or prioritizing what is important what they want to focus on by the time you know we're our age and our, i'm guessing you're in your uh, you're probably much younger than i'm right I'm, I'm, I'm mid already. 40s mid 40s okay. all right so me too all right <laughs> so by the time we're in our mid 40s what a lot of neuroscientists say is that it'll take about 3 weeks for Mm. us to to really try to change a habit or get into a good habit. Um, But it's really difficult because you may need, honestly, in some cases, you may need the help of a psychotherapist, a a, a psychologist to help kind of break that reward cycle that is so ingrained in us. Um, But for the most part, if we can commit to doing something for about three weeks, 21 days, um, that is where we can start to see uh, that, that hardwiring being reset.
0: So is that neuroplasticity in action then?
1: That is absolutely neuroplasticity in action.
0: I love that. I love that. Okay. Um, Alina, you're so awesome. I I, I want to ask you two more questions. I, I want to just talk to you all day long about the brain because I think it's so fascinating. Uh, and the fact that you have all this knowledge in your brain, I want to transfer it into uh, to our collective brain. So thank you for spending your time. But as it relates to money, okay. Um, let's say, for anyone that wants to improve their relationship with money, their results with their money and take more control over their money to get outcomes that they want, how does the brain like how would the brain play a role in doing that?
1: Oh gosh, I think that um, the brain the, the brain has to understand that there are more positives to shifting your mindset than negatives, okay? Mm. So especially when someone you know, it, like, like you said, kind of is entrenched in the old way of thinking and kind of has to change the way they think about money. Um, for me personally, I, I kind of went through a transformation about 10 years ago, interestingly that we've talked about this um, with how I understand money and, and kind of how I understand that. And again, I don't want to be controversial. I, I hope I'm not being, you this,
0: say anything you want, okay.
1: <laughs> but that, you know, banks weren't really our friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know? banks did not take our money and they were not ni- and nice to us and hold on to it just cuz they wanted You're to preach into the
0: choir over here so just keep okay. on preaching
1: <laughs> yeah you know i mean but you know and it took well and not only that but you know um the way that mortgages work i mean mortgages are really they don't benefit us at all mm-hmm. and so it took a huge paradigm shift and it took um seeing it and understanding it um, for me to break away from these hardwired my relationship with money, how I understood how, you know, what, what banks were and how, uh, and how I felt about that. Um, but it took like a good three months of me and my husband going through the numbers, thinking about things again, like, wow, you know, but why would we, why would we have to have, a, I mean, why does everyone say we have to have a mortgage? My parents are in a 30-year mortgage. That's what we should do, right? I mean, it took us three months. I'm hope, I know that it can take people a lot less time, you know, but it really is, understanding what the negatives are, what the positives are, and to be able to weigh those out. And that is actually frontal lobe functioning. So don't expect this to happen in a young, developing 18, 19, 20-year-old brain. Um, it, It usually comes after the age of 26 or 28 when The the frontal lobe is fully developed so we can see the delayed gratification and weigh out those pros and cons.
0: Well, I I love that you're giving us all hope and possibility that we can change our thought patterns, that we can use neuroplasticity in our favor, not just to recover, but to proactively build the neural pathways that we want to build to get the outcomes that we want. I I love this. So let me ask you a final question um, as it relates to mind and money. If you were to write a prescription to go through that exact experience that you just talked about going through where you saw a new possibility for your money and your life, if you were to write a brain prescription um, to go from idea to implementation, but to get your mind on board first, what would would the process be? Write me a prescription as a patient to change my neural pathways around money.
1: So all I can do is speak from my experience with this, right? And it's just so interesting that I actually went through something just like this about 10 years ago, okay? Um, so if I were a doctor writing to me as a patient, this is mm-hmm. this is what I would say, because this is what I know worked, is that um, first of all, you have to be exposed to the differences. Because if all you know, like if all you're exposing yourself to is what's traditional, you're never going to change. So you have to search, you have to be open. Can i ask and you one question on that. Mind.
0: Just one final, one question on that is, is your brain, is it always looking for confirmation bias? Like if I believe something internally, like the, the traditional path is the way you do money, is my brain constantly searching for evidence that that is reinforcing that that's true?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And it takes, it, it's going to take a lot for someone to have a real true change in that, right? Because we, you know, um, we're, what, that we're wired that way. We are wired to feel right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I get it. I get that.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, nobody wants to admit they're wrong, yeah. you know? Um. So yeah, we are wired to feel right. <laughs> so first thing first is be open that there are other possibilities and other pathways to wealth and to, you know, um, to retirement and to taking care of yourself. The second thing that I would clearly say is, to have someone like you, Ryan, someone, uh, you know, who can kind of take your hand on the journey, because it really is kind of a journey to, you know, to to just kind of switch paths, you know, um, but having a support system there, someone who's maybe done this before, who can answer some of your questions, that was really helpful for us, you know, was to have someone there, a good friend who had gone through the same thing. and was like, oh my gosh, this is what you need to do. And, and this is how it's changed my life. So, but being able to talk about it, to have an open forum, to be able to listen to people like you who know more than I do about some things, uh, you know, um, would be would be it. And then at some point you have to take the leap. Yeah. You have to take the leap and say, okay, I'm going to try to do it this way. Um, know that the nice thing about this is that to me in our situation, nothing was irreversible, mm-hmm. right? So if we didn't like that path, we could always go back and get another mortgage out and we'd be fine, you know, but, um, But yeah, you, at some point you gotta, you gotta take the leap and you've got to override your brain. And that is how, you know, you, you can get, you can get um, that neuroplasticity because once your brain starts realizing, oh, oh, I can be rewarded this way. Oh, then your brain rewires and then it's good for you to go back.
0: Alina, thank you so much. I know I put you on the spot today. Like I'm sure you've never had a podcast where I'm. Uh, they're trying to take neuroplasticity and apply it to money. So thank you for being open to that. Um, I prepped her just a little bit, not much, but I do want to reiterate just your tremendous amount of expertise for anyone that is struggling with um, concussions or with being in a state of fog or your brain. You're, you're just not working. You know your your Cognitive FX um, Center has helped thousands of people nationwide, right? And I think you do a lot of work with veterans, with athletes. So many of those people are in our community. So I'm going to have all of your contact information in uh, in the bio of this podcast. Um, but guys, I just I just want to say how grateful I am for you uh, for coming on here and lending your expertise. I did hear about you know your expertise while sitting in a a church forum where we were talking about pornography and the effects of pornography on our young teenagers. And just the how you described the brain was just, man, it was so revelatory to me of how I could approach that problem in a different way with the teenagers that I'm raising. So thank you for for just your expertise and sharing that with our community today. Um, any welcome. final words on the brain that you want to share before I let you go?
1: Well, just, just, just really quickly, um, we don't just treat people in the U.S. In fact, about 10% of our patients come from out of country as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and so you know, um this this is a widespread uh, issue and 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 we're just kind of scratching the surface, Ryan, with with brain imaging and and understanding. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if by this time next month, I say, oh my gosh, Ryan, we just figured this out, you know, yeah. as far as your know, neuroscience goes. So the last thing I want to close with is our brains are the most complex, magnificent organism in the multiverse um and we are just scratching the surface uh, um uh, about what what it can do um what what it can enable us to do um and i just encourage anyone with a question to yeah to get in touch with me if you've ever been injured or you're wondering um if if something's going on yeah contact me as well i'd love to help
0: i love that and i love that you said they're the most complex fascinating Things in the multiverse, um, man. I'd love to talk to you about that someday. So maybe we'll do a round too. But anyway, Dr. Fong, thank you for coming on the podcast today, my friends. Thank you for listening. Your attention is your most valuable resource. And for you to lend that to us today, I hope it served you well. Uh, Inside of the six or 12 inches between your ears is the most powerful tool that you have. If you really want to truly rise up so that you can live free, join us. If you're part of our um, Academy Acceleration uh, or Rise Up Mastermind, we're doing our major definite aim training Uh, you're listening to this podcast likely on Thursday. We're doing the major definite aim workshop on Friday. All the details for that will also be in the podcast notes. Uh, But the major definite aim is to help you get clear on what you actually want, to use your beautiful mind to create wealth and abundance as opposed to whatever the results are that you might not be liking in your life right now. So my friends, thank you for listening to the podcast today. Join us on the next episode. And until then, rise up and live free. Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you want to connect with me and other empire builders who are on a mission to take control of their financial plans and become financially free in 10 years or less?
1: Well, then join us in our private Facebook group where we get to go deeper into the topics of financial freedom. And it's the only place you can see the actual results of
0: people on their path to financial freedom, learn what's working and interact as a community dedicated to becoming financially free. When you join, you'll get immediate access to exclusive training in a private membership area. This training will empower you in your path to becoming financially free and it will fast track your results. This is the only place you get access to this exclusive content. So be sure to join us in the Facebook group now. Just go to
1: CashfulTactics.com forward slash group or head over to Facebook and search Cashflow Tactics to join.
0: I look forward to you joining us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast.